0: what anyone else might say. This is about being willing to go against the norm to create magnificence in every area of your life. Genius was not created by following the rules. All right, my magical friends, so welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am so excited to bring to you um, a guest that I had the pleasure of meeting just within the last month, I think. And um, I ended up being on her podcast on masking the feminine, and that episode will be out soon. So take a look for it. But we had such an amazing um, interview and connection. I was like, you have to come on my podcast. And so I get to learn about this person. So I'm excited to bring to you guys Rachel Tal- Talbot. I have to get my English accent in there <laughs> instead of the American one. Um, and so Rachel does come from England and has a very extensive history um, and life experience that she brings to the table is really interested in empowering women all over the world to step into themselves, step into their bodies, step into who they are. And I am just learning about her. And I was sneaking on her website and there was this piece that that I told her, I said, wow, this is really, this is really powerful. She said, I had to swallow some big truths. Firstly, science did not have all the answers. And from that, I also had to accept that I couldn't study my way out of the mess I was in. Can anyone relate? (laughs) My mind was not going to reveal some magic trick I'd missed. No, I was gonna have to go into my body, dig deep, uncover the messy, yucky parts I'd pushed down, and away, and I was going to have to fall in love with all of me, not just the parts I deemed acceptable and okay. So my friends, with that introduction, welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Catherine. (laughs) It's really interesting to hear that again. I think I wrote that quite a long time ago, and it's so true
0: it's so true and and i think it applies and it especially applies now and before we st- you know we started the recording we we're talking a little bit how just in the last 18 months you've really stepped into coaching online to help people get in their bodies and you know with the state of the world and the change that we're all in i think one of the things that we've all had to do uncomfortably so is get out of the familiar and into the unknown and follow our awareness and so could you talk a little bit about i don't know just the process for you of helping people go from not being in their bodies to being in their bodies
1: uh, yeah <laughs> i think probably the easiest thing is to t- is to explain how i did it initially because I never really thought about being embodied, but I never really thought about any of this stuff. I spent my 20s working in a pharmaceutical company, about three different pharmaceutical companies, pursuing jobs that bored me. And I also got married, divorced. And honestly, I was drinking, hard living. I'm really not very connected. And luckily... I hurt my back quite badly playing hockey, field hockey, if you're American, not ice hockey. Um, Ended up with a chiropractor who got me out of trouble and cut a long story store. I ended up going to chiropractic school because it seemed so much more appealing than struggling to find new jobs within pharmaceuticals that just didn't inspire me. So I took a really, really big risk because I had this lovely blue chip career. I was making really good money, I own my own property. Everything was going well. And I was miserable as sin. So I had a friend who was a chiropractor. He actually lectured at one of the British schools. And we got drunk, really drunk. And at about one in the morning, he said, you know, I think you should become a chiropractor. And I went, that's a really good idea. Applied the following morning with my stinking hangover. Because he was a member of staff. They just offered me a place. And I was like, shit, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did and from day one it was the best thing it was like I hated my first degree I've got a chemistry degree I didn't enjoy any of it I just drank and played hockey pretty much for three years but chiropractic I was totally excited and I thought I was going to be a bad back chiropractor because that's in the UK that is the perception of chiropractic and it's clunk click so everything is about moving bones so I got really good at moving bones and that was where I thought I was going, had my first job, everything's going fine. And I remember someone came in one day and said, oh, I'm doing amazing. And I remember running my hands through her spine and I went, I didn't say it to her, but I thought it. I thought that cannot be all that's possible because her spine feels rubbish. yet she's really happy. And I spent all this money, changed my life, given, yeah, I did everything. And this is the best. And when you put a thought like that out into the universe, the universe has a funny way of delivering things to you. And I really had no idea what the universe was about to deliver to me because within within chiropractic, there's a technique called network spinal analysis. And I'd heard someone speak about it in my fourth year at college. And I remember sitting there thinking, absolutely no way am I ever going to do that technique because it's way too weird and woo woo. I'm going to be a a proper chiropractor and move bones. And it was the only technique I I, am rejected. And I really rejected it. And I was doing a paediatric seminar and my back was playing up because I have actually got a fracture in my low back. It was another thing I discovered at college. And I said, would you adjust me to this girl? She went, yeah, 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 no problem. But I do network. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. They all work. And so she did network to me. Network is very gentle. So you would adjust somebody with this level of pressure. So it's super gentle. So we did it on a hotel bed. She touched my bum a few times, did a couple of gentle contacts. My opinion, nothing happened. But I'm British and I was too polite to say. So we went to the bar. She was American as it happened, living in Italy. And um, (laughs) I had a gin and tonic and lost the power of speech and went to bed. She absolutely wiped me out with this thing that had done nothing. And I slept for nearly 12 hours. And I remember the following morning going, what the hell was that? And she was like, well, that was network. I said, where can I learn it? And she said, well, there's someone who practices near you. So I went and had a couple of sessions with this lady who practiced in Manchester, who's now become a friend. And um, she said, oh, there's a seminar in a few weeks. I was like, oh, where's that? Thinking I'm going to have to fly to the States or something. And they'd never taught it in the UK. And they taught it in Manchester, which is where I had a practice. had to close half an hour early on the friday afternoon to get to the seminar so they delivered it to me but it's still this really 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 weird technique and i can't feel what's going on all i know is something's changing because every time anyone does it to me i feel better or i feel different because one of my early sessions i threw up after it and i remember thinking what is this (laughs) but i was hooked so i went to the seminar the first person i adjusted using this this technique burst into tears, it was a man, and ran out of the room. I was like, Christ, that doesn't happen. But I was curious and he reappeared 10 minutes and said, thank you, I really needed that. So that was like, okay. And then my first patient on the Monday morning, cause I thought I have to try this. Um, <laughs> I adjusted her and thought I'll just crack her back after I failed to adjust her using this weird stuff I'm doing now, sat up and said, I've no idea what you just did, but I want more. I was like, wow. And then any of you have had chiropractic, and probably most of you are American, you probably have had some exposure. Everybody is determined to have as little as possible. They want to get out and away from you as soon as possible. And they're always saying, can I come in less? And this woman walked into my reception and doubled her frequency of care without me asking to. And I was like, OK, I'm on to something. So that changed me professionally by taking that leap. And I just dropped the clunk click fairly rapidly and went just doing that work. But Network has a sister technique called somatorespiratory respiratory integration, which is about learning to connect to your body, learning to listen to your body. And there are 12 exercises that are all linked to different stages of human consciousness. And the first stage is suffering and disconnection. And it's like, why would anyone want to learn about suffering and disconnection? Because that's what happens if you can't listen to your body, you suffer. Because if you can't listen to the subtle messages, you don't get anywhere and i was this person who i listened to my body a lot because it was in constant pain <laughs> but that was the only time i would listen was if my body yelled really really loudly we did this sri thing which i was like what the hell's this and i couldn't feel any of that either so i was like what is wrong with me i have i can i know this stuff is working um my intuition was like this stuff is so working But I felt absolutely disabled by my inability to feel the subtlety of it and I was super embarrassed so I didn't tell anybody (laughs) and I just for whatever reason and I look back and laugh I went on this crazy knowing because for my first year of doing that work people would say can you explain it and I'd say honestly I don't understand it but trust me it works and they they all did which I look back and I'm so humble about the people I helped in that year because they really did trust me, but something was, something was working and something was changing. But that was really starting to challenge me because networks actually quite well researched. So there is quite a lot of science. And then there isn't. Because we've got a good idea why it works so effectively. But the science is in its infancy. And when I studied chiropractic, there was virtually no research on chiropractic full stop. It's only the last 20 years that it's really been done. So I was doing a lot on faith in those days, whereas I remember in my mid 20s going, science can't prove it. It's not real. (laughs) And it was like only like six or seven years ago. Later, I'm going, oh, my God, I touch someone with the amount of pressure you can put on your eyelid and their whole spine opens up and relaxes. And I cannot explain this. But when someone does it to me, I change and I feel so much better and I sleep better and my pain is less, but my pain vanished. And I started to change. So. Yeah, I think the regular chiropractic actually opened me up because the, pur- the purpose of ch- any kind of chiropractic is to get your nervous system working better and your nervous system. Is your brain your spinal cord and all the nerves that go to all the muscles organs joints but it, in, if your nervous system's working really badly which was me like totally in fight flight rigid you don't feel things because your brain thinks your life is in peril and you have to survive so that's how you act you make short-term decisions everything is about what's happening in the moment and it's about getting by and coping and the regular chiropractic I was having initially really started to get me more into a state I'd say a state of neutral, of having more ability to listen, even though I I couldn't listen to my body at that point. At least my mind was no longer full of all this crap. Am I allowed to swear? Yes. <laughs> just checking. Um, yes. <laughs> but then I have I have, I have like,
0: an okay for my tunes. <laughs> <I'm just>
1: <laughs> but um it got me to It got me to the point where I was ready because I'd asked the universe. I said, there has to be more. And that what does these big breath waves move through the body? And I remember seeing my first wave in my own practice just before I actually did the course because I'd held a contact on someone, which you don't normally do in regular. But there's another technique called Logan I was messing around with a little bit. And this woman had this huge wave. And I remember thinking, Christ almighty, what was that? I hope she didn't notice. And she didn't say anything. So I didn't say anything you have well, to laugh at what you didn't do
0: <laughs> you you said something really earlier that really is is profound and fascinating and i just want to bring you back to it because i think a lot of people miss this message which is change can happen in really soft in subtle ways and be extremely profound. And so when we're in pain, we think that sometimes the way to get out of pain is to match the level of pain we're in in order to get out of it, right? So, oh, if I'm in this much pain, whether it's emotional, physical, mental, energetic, nervous system related, we think we have to work really hard to get out of the pain. And I do a lot of different energy modalities. I've experienced network. I've experienced, I'm probably almost every modality you can think of that's out there that I know of, I've tried it. And the ones that really make the biggest impact in my experience are the ones where, you know, something's happening, but you have no idea what it is. You can't explain it. You can't. And so I really love what you said. You said it was the gentlest of touch. And I might be paraphrasing, not your exact words, but the gentlest of touch that created some of the biggest changes for you. And so I'm wondering, you know, part of this being a rebel and following our intuition and really tapping into both our awareness and our consciousness, which sometimes can be one and the same, I think it's those subtle whispers that make the most profound transformation and allow for the most profound transformation i
1: um i have become to to i've I've come to a point where i completely agree with you and i can tell you i totally didn't
0: from scientists to (laughs) the
1: invisible possibilities i think it's um i think with this is actually in our culture that if you have a small symptom you need a small intervention but if you have a big or a life threatening symptom you need like to throw and take war on your, your on your illness I and mean, we need a really big dirty nasty intervention um i think i believe that for a long time i certainly grew up in a family and i've got a great family but they definitely believe in the medical model and for me the medical model is about symptom management quite often and surviving but i'm And there is a total place for that. So I'm not saying there isn't a place for it, but I think there's a smaller place for it than it currently occupies. Because my passion has become about your experience of your body and your experience of your life and how well you are. And that is a perception because you can have nothing wrong with you and be miserable as hell. And I've worked with a lot of people with chronic diseases that are not gonna go away, but they're just there in the background because they're living incredible lives. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna answer your question because I know you were talking about the gentle intervention. People always ask, how do you explain? Yeah, can you explain why that? Or did you do anything, but I feel completely different. I didn't even feel you touched me, that's not uncommon. So there's lots of different ways I can explain it. But if I raise my voice, your instinct is gonna be to move away from me. If I whisper, you're going to pay more attention. So the way that network works, and this is my best explanation based on the knowledge we have at this moment, is we look for the place in the spine that is working the absolute best. So is at peace? Is at ease? And you put a very gentle contact into that area, which draws your brain's attention to what works. And even if you don't notice the contact, A lot of people immediately start to breathe more slowly more deeply you watch their spine relax because the brain is now becoming aware of how it can be whereas the way i was working up to that point was to find the area that was most stuck the area that was totally unresourced that didn't know how to correct itself and giving it a good whack and i got good results but i didn't get good spines now, and- I know there are some structural chiropractors. I have a very, very good friend. And we've actually compared our techniques and she can do a structural adjustment and get the results I get with network because she's an exquisite adjuster. I was never that good. It wasn't my gift. But my gift was, I, find I just know where to go when I do this work. And I sort of knew early on and it took me probably a few years to acknowledge that I knew because there is a system. It's a very simple system with network and once you understand the system you can do it but i got amazing results because of the whisper it's a bit like you want to, you want someone to go through a door you can start pushing them or you can take their hand and say come with me and it's the invitation to heal and i think and I, this has again been part of my journey that my state and my belief do influence what happens because we're so into going you have to adjust someone there and that will lead to this result is very, very linear. But healing isn't linear. Yeah, sometimes I, I see it by knocking over dominoes. I don't know dominoes, that's an American word as well, mm-hmm, yeah? Mm-hmm. You, you line your dominoes up and then you knock mm-hmm. them and you see how many will fall. And if you get the alignment really well, they all go. It's very, very similar with, with networks. Sometimes you do one contact and thousands fall. Sometimes you do 10 and only a couple hundred. It depends on where the person is and what's happening in their life. But sometimes you can get these massive, massive changes with just such a small intervention because the body is moving towards health. And sometimes that journey can be uncomfortable because I know for me at least, I couldn't feel my body. If I just talk about the fight, flight, freeze physiology, we all know about fight, flight. I wave a knife at you. You're either going to run or you're going to fight me. My,
0: yeah, my audience definitely knows about fight yeah, flight. <laughs>
1: the freeze response is actually the older neurological response. And we see that more in women than men. And it's when you get to a point where you feel so helpless, there's nothing you can do. You see, I, I have cats. We may get my cats at some point. When they've caught a mouse and the mouse plays dead, that's actually a physiological response. And what also happens, because the mouse is one of two things is going to happen. The cat's going to lose interest or it's going to eat the mouse. If it eats the mouse the mouse has also released loads of chemicals to numb itself mm. yeah so mm. it's a it's a way of having a less unpleasant death. Mm-hmm. i know that's a bit morbid but what i see and I, i'm seeing it more and more i think the more i practice the world has got a lot more stressful i'm finding more and more people who are numb and i was this is my journey i was completely numb so when they first started doing network and sri on me They used to demonstrate on me in seminars. And I I remember going one day, why do you keep demonstrating on me? He said, well, you move so beautifully and we can see everything happening. I said, I can't feel anything. And I was quite horrified. So that's when I really dove into the SRI. So your original question was, how do I help people become more aware? And I teach a lot of SRI online now because I'm starting a program. I'm thinking on the 27th or something of September. It's a Monday. I can't remember whether I got the date quite right where we'll actually go through the full 12 stages and it'll be a small group and people get a chance to really really learn all of the stages because stage one is actually the one I talked about it's just so essential because it teaches you how to relate to your body but stage four is one of my passionate stages because I was crap at it when I first did it it's about reclaiming your power Mm. and I find I mean my my chiropractic office is men and women but my a lot of my online coaching and i've got a women's group as well under unmasking the feminine is women because women women really struggle with stepping into their power because a lot of our societal conditioning is about not being in your power and for women that often means looking after everybody else except themselves and not being responsible for and not feeling able to be true to themselves because they have so many obligations
0: well um, women women are great at people pleasing
1: <laughs> I know, it's, it's we're taught to people, to people please Totally, it's either the people pleaser or it's the victim it's either life happens to me and i have no power it's like my life's just shit because and my husband did this and my boss did this and it's all looking outside to blame i've I been mean, both sexes do this by the way <laughs> Or it's the people pleaser. And the people pleaser is bigger in women. They're not exclusive to women. Well, I found that the the stage four, the first time I did it, I was asked to stay in power. I tried to black out (laughs) because I didn't want to go there. I I was like, wow, my resistance to being connected, not to my power up here, because intellectually, I've always been strong, but to really owning my embodied power. hmm. Oh my God, that was, That was one of the hardest things I have ever done was actually own the fact that I was giving my power away and it was time to change. And I was I probably taught that that those exercises for three or four years before I truly felt like I owned it. And all my patients are getting it. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, you have to sort of laugh at yourself sometimes. Well, laughter helps me a lot anyway. But that's something that I've become particularly that stage because I think so many people live in that I'm a victim of what happens to me. And if you put that back in the last 18 months, it's been really hard. I mean, I remember having this hugely, had a lovely busy practice, my practice was absolutely flying. And on the Monday, everything started to go like, okay, we're, are we gonna lock down and we're not gonna lock down. And my diary started to empty as people got, went into fear. And I closed it on the Thursday because there was so much fear and I was swallowing the fear. And I remember sitting there on the Thursday and my heart was going like the clappers. And I was almost I wasn't quite having a panic attack, but there was definitely anxiety. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And I couldn't think rationally so I can look back and relate to how everybody felt because we all thought everyone was going to die. I mean, that was the message we were getting from the media. Especially
0: in, 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 in Europe. <laughs> like, I mean, I have friends from all over the world. I feel so blessed. And so I got the angles and the aspects of what was going on in people's psyche yeah. all over the world oh, during that time.
1: It was pure fear. And it was literally mm-hmm. everyone's going to die in the UK. And I remember feeling it and going, and I had this moment of, oh, for God's sake, listen to your body. This is not your anxiety. And I did a stage one exercise on myself. And within, a, within 20 minutes, all my anxiety had gone and I was breathing again. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do about this? So I went from stage one to stage four in about 25 minutes.
0: And I think that's a huge message right now for almost everyone to pay attention because we can buy into the lie the panic and fear and anxiety and worry and stress 99% of the time that we perceive those sensations in our body, we automatically assume they're ours. And I think it's a huge lesson, and something I also talk about is that 99.9% of the time it's not yours, and so we have to talk ourselves off the ledge, down from the panic, off, you know, off from the fear. And it's a it's a a memory impulse, just like um, exercise. You have to practice it in order to you know, make it easier every time you do it. And it's the same thing with stress and anxiety and fear. So I wanted to bring you, bring you back to something you said earlier, which is really profound in, in the the spine and that you find the healthiest place in the spine. And when you touch it, then it can activate the memory of the health, you know, my words not yours, activate the memory of the health and everything. And I think that's so such an important message universally right now, because most of us have been programmed our entire lives to address the problem first, to address the pain first, to address the thing that isn't working. And you know, through all these different modalities and all these different messages and all of the awakening of consciousness that's happening on the planet, we intuitively know that we thrive when we focus on and put our attention on the health Of something, the thrival of something, not the survival of it, right? And so I wonder if you can talk just a little bit more of like your experience of when you find that healthy moment and how that expands in somebody's nervous system and how it translates into their life and, you know, all that good stuff.
1: I can really talk about this. That's a really good question. So, I'll I'll try and make it real as well, because sometimes it's quite easy with this work to talk a little bit abstract. So if we just take someone with simple back pain, there's always the question, why is it not healing? But do you need to focus on the pain, like you said, which what most people do is like everything's about my pain, or do you focus on what works? The point I've come to is, and this is one of the things that was so different when I started studying that work, donny epstein who's come up with the technique i was very blessed i trained a lot with him because he was teaching in europe hugely at the time he calls it reorganizational healing so the focus is not about removing a problem it's about getting the individual to reorganize to a higher level a higher vibration if you want to use that word because when you're at a low vibration you often have a lot of pain And you go into that and when when you're at a low vibration your thoughts tend to be negative so you're more in the fight flight freeze you're more focused on what's wrong how am i going to survive is the tiger going to eat me of course and how yeah how many people
0: yeah have organized towards that
1: yeah and that's that's really and it's been amplified massively and i've not been impressed with the media in the last 18 months because there were so many simple things they could have said that would be positive You could still have someone with an injury and at some point they need to go in and feel that injury. But if they're in a low resourceful state and their vibration is low, so they're not resourced, you can focus on that pain till the cows come home. It's a challenge. So the first thing you have to do with somebody is get their vibration, get their energy higher, get them to a point where they feel more resourceful. And some people, as you do that, the pain just looks after itself. Some people, you get them into a better state, and then they're able to actually listen to the messages from the pain. Because pain says so, very simple thing: stop, pay attention, do something different. But if you numb it out with drugs, alcohol, painkillers, which is what I used to do in my twenties, you never get the message. And so you never listen. So you never change. So the whole focus of of both of these approaches, and it's really become my focus in life is how do I get myself into the most resourceful state? Because if I'm in a resourceful state, I can deal with whatever life throws at me. So Training's another thing that can help with that, you know. Sometimes you just need to put your feet in on the ground and breathe and just remember you're a human being in a body. Because so often we just check out and disconnect, and some people are very aware of themselves checking out, and some people just go numb.
0: So for somebody listening to this that can relate and maybe go, yeah, I've been in fight or flight or freeze or fawn, right? Or all of the above. Um, And I really recognize that I've been trying to address the pain or the problem from that state. And now I'm, you know, they're listening to you going, okay, I need to raise my vibration. Okay. I need to get more resource. How does one do that? Like, are there tools and exercises they can do on their own? Are there things that they can focus on? What what would you suggest?
1: The answer is yes. There are things you can do on your own and sometimes you need help as well. It's variable. So a simple exercise I, I teach and I can just describe the basics of it now is there are three places on the front of the body that feed into the vagus nerve that can actually help calm you down. The first one is with your hands you use your hands because that puts more information into the brain just below the collarbones my camera is going to fall over the second one i'm going to move my camera there and see what happens second one is the soft spot where the ribs come together the yep. third one is the belly button you can all mm. find that mm-hmm. <laughs> just go like that what i get people to do is just put their hands onto each of these areas in turn and observe and they're going to breathe in the nose out of the mouth. And they're just going to direct the breath into their hands. And observe, how does it feel when I focus on the first area? And some people will just go, oh, that feels so great. And some people will start going, my back hurts more, my head's chatting, I don't want to be there. So you just you just listen, breathing in and out the nose on that. And you repeat it in the three positions. One of them will feel better. One of them will probably be neutral. And one you won't like at all. Hmm your hands into the one that works Mm. and spend a few minutes focusing on it
0: Mm.
1: and just observe what happens in your whole body yeah well that's simple but it's actually very very simple and it's so simple people go well that won't work but that was how i that was the exercise i did over and over again to start waking up my own connection to my body it's the basics of the basis of stage one sri and it's literally about finding what works and the temptation always to go, well, this position's rubbish. So I had a lady in a workshop I was teaching this, and she had a bad disc injury, and she thought she knew better. So I said, I want you to put all your focus into the area that feels the best. And she decided to ignore me and focus on the area that was worse. And she started crying with pain because it amplified her pain so much because she had no resources and she wasn't ready to go there. Because when you start spending time, this is my best area, in the area that works, you start shifting your physiology because your Mm. brain goes, oh, that works. Oh, that's nice. And sometimes you you push a bit hard because we tend to go, you just want to go in nice and gently and you start to remember how nice feels. Mm. And then you might be able to put your hands down to the area that was more difficult and to your surprise, it'll be a little bit easier. And there are a lot more things you can do within the exercise, but that's the essence and that's the starting point. It's finding somewhere on the body that feels Good. I'm just well, putting some focus into it. It's brilliant
0: because it also teaches you then to rewire your nervous system to begin to train, retrain yourself, or for the first time, train yourself mm-hmm. to begin to focus on the good, on the yeah. positive. You know, it's why gratitude works. It's why appreciation works, and you know, it it. Focusing on the problem maybe eventually can work, but it's definitely a longer, harder. We've all tried it. <laughs>
1: we've all done it, and we do it as all... well. Even me, sometimes I forget. It's like bloody hell, I've got a bit of pain. What have I done? And you just focus on it, yeah. and then you remember. Yeah. Wow.
0: It's, it's so brilliant.
1: Everything. It's so simple, and that was what really appealed to me when I first did this. Was just how simple some of it was, and because I went through it. Now people are like, they can't believe that I didn't feel anything. And they'll be like, what's wrong with me? I can't feel anything. And I will always say, look, I felt nothing. And it took me a while. And I wish I'd owned up to it earlier because people would have helped me faster if I'd only asked for help.
0: Mm.
1: But I was, yeah, I was totally stuck in my ego. (laughs) And I was ashamed I couldn't do it. Mm. And I found that really hard. I think shame's a thing that a lot of people struggle with and I certainly struggled with it and I just didn't have I think my self-esteem was pretty awful in my 20s and 30s I thought I don't think I know and it was like one more thing I can't do and it was not based on logic I mean or, or rationality because on paper I'm super successful and I even when I think I'm a failure I'm usually succeeding um but I didn't feel good inside and it wasn't until I learned to feel the to, to really start realizing that most of my body was doing really well and focusing on that. I actually started to shift my experience of life. And I started to awaken to so many of my gifts, gifts that if I'd carried on in the medical model, just would never have become visible because it would have all have been back damage limitation. Mm. And I would probably be full of pills and probably sick. I don't know. I I can't tell you. I just don't even want to think about what that route would have been like because I was doing so many things in my twenties that were so different from how I am now and really didn't support health and longevity. But, you know, I think I grew up in a culture, a very British culture of pull yourself together and get on with it. And it's not a culture that particularly supports emotions or expressing how you feel. I think the Americans, honestly, I find you a breath of fresh air because you're much more honest. And I'm married to a German who's too honest sometimes. But the British, we really know how to bury everything inside and not feel it. And the stiff upper lip, it still lives. It really, really lives. And I think for women, it's more painful than men Mm. because we're naturally more emotional. We're meant to be more fluid, more flexible. Yeah, we are softer. And if you're a British woman and you've gone, it's painful it really really is hard and the cultural support i think things are changing mm-hmm. but yeah m- my upbringing was if you're upset swallow it if you're happy don't be too happy
0: <laughs> well and i think
1: i like can blaming my folks and i'm not because my folks no. are great. but the culture is very much about keeping everything inside and yeah definitely not crying
0: Well, I just think, I think that shame is a huge topic and, and, you know, I think it's been illuminated more in most people's worlds and in their consciousness and going, oh, wow, there's a lot I've been hiding from. So I'm wondering, um, the, this piece around, because I look at when, when somebody's in shame, it, they're not necessarily in their body. Because when you're really in your body, there is a vibration that that gets calibrated where you get to live for the most part at your fullest capacity in that moment in time, right? It's always changing. It's always evolving. It's always transforming. But I think shame really takes people out of their bodies almost instantaneously. And so... For you, what was the process of getting yourself from a place of shame? And and this is something I studied and I'm fascinated by is I'm fascinated by success and what makes someone successful and how they do it. And what fascinates me about all these successful people is how much they have and have had to deal with their own shame or their own insecurities. You know, We look at successful people when maybe you don't feel like you're there yet. And you go and you go, oh man, they've got it made, they don't have any problems there, and you learn underneath the surface, little by little, that every single person on the planet deals with some sort of internal insecurity that takes them out of embodiment.
1: Right. So oh, what tipped me? Honestly, <clears throat> the pain of not admitting it. Mm was so huge it became more painful to not admit i had to get beyond because the shame was it was so big but it was even more painful to pretend i wasn't there Mm. and so i can't remember i think that one of the things about network that might scare some of your people if you're listening it can actually help you have huge emotional releases and so I attended now my people, <laughs> I take them my down the darkest places. places. <laughs> I attended what we, we, we call them clear days in that where, where you go and do a healing intensive. And there are also something called transformational gates. And I did a lot of those. So I went and really, really worked on my own defense patterns. And if someone in the UK was doing a clear day, I went, there were a couple of gates a year in Italy. So I used to go to all of those and it was like unwrapping myself. And sometimes someone would make a contact or do some SRI with me. And I would sob. I remember sobbing for nearly two hours on one occasion (laughs) in front of all my peers. And I was like, this is so embarrassing, but I can't stop this. I just had to clear out. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was clearing half the time. Mm -hmm. I just know that my body was holding so much tension and stress. And the only way to actually change my vibration was to express what I felt. So I did a huge amount of work on myself. I think in my first year of network, I did my first seminar in the April. I did another one in the October. I did my first gate the following weekend. And I don't think that was the the big sob, I think. (laughs) Um, I did a few clear days because they were going. So I did a huge amount of personal growth. And I was good at crying because I think up to then, I probably spent 35 years not crying. So I was crying for so many, like crying. I I got this wonderful um, quote from a child. His mum would come in to get adjusted. And he was watching because i had an open plan i had four benches in the same room and he was just sitting there he was seven and she bawled her eyes out and she didn't care about that because know before but she cared that he'd seen and i have i think i had three or four adults waiting and four on benches and little buddha spoke seven years old he said mum i guess you should have cried when it happened <laughs> <laughs> i know <sighs> and all the adults in the room went that child is wiser than all of us <laughs> And I
0: think, I think that's such a brilliant piece. You know, we, we tend to want to put a story to an emotional release. So if we're crying, if we're laughing, if we're in pain, if we're, if something isn't working out, we tend to want to rationalize or justify or put a reason to it. And I find that the best healings happen when there's that cathartic release with no attachment or no identity, or sometimes no freaking idea what just happened, where it came from, why it happened is that permission to, as you said earlier in your original quote on your website is, is to be messy because I think that giving ourselves permission to be messy is one of the best ways to show up for your life because life is messy and chaotic and like a roller coaster. And sometimes we just need to like lighten up a bit and really just strap on our seatbelts and go for the ride without making the ride or what happens along the ride significant or wrong or a problem
1: i think you're so right because i think often we have conditions on our healing it's like i want this this and this and i want this to be the outcome and da 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 da, da. and if you told me 20 years ago that I'd have had the journey I've had, and I've ended up where I am professionally and personally. I would have thought you were crazy. But as soon as I started unwrapping myself and letting the defense mechanisms come down, because I had a lot of armor, and I still got some, I know I have. I mean, it's a lifetime journey as far as I'm concerned. But as soon as I started, I remember the first time I cried, thinking crikey. And then it just happened. And it became a bit of a standing joke. Is she going to cry? Yeah, of course, she's going to cry. But it felt so good. And sometimes I would get very, very clear insights as to why. Sometimes I would get quite clear pictures, flashbacks to events. And sometimes I would have no idea. And I've sort of come to accept, and I say this with my clients a lot, you don't need to know. But if you do need to know, your body will let you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we all process differently. I say some people are very, very image images. They get really clear images. I'm actually very sensory. So I feel a lot, but I've not always got a logical rational. Oh, that was when this happened and this happened. I just feel a really intense emotion and then it will move through my body. Or if I fight it, it'll hang around and usually create some physical pain as well. and it's just it, it's a process and we all do it differently and that's been something i've really enjoyed about this journey is i could have 20 people come in with back pain and they'll all be different they'll have different histories they will feel different and i think as i've got more and more into this i i see people with so many di- for so many different reasons and some of them have back pain and some of them don't and the the excitement comes from helping people unwrap themselves. I love that. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful process. And some people hang around for a few months and some people work with you for years, depending on what's happened in their life up to now and where they want to be. And some people will will work for a chunk and go, I'm good now. And then they'll reappear a few years later and go, I'm not so good now. It's it's always, yeah it's a flow and it's about honoring the fact that we all have different paths some people love the sri the body mind i call it body mind awakening where we do all these different exercises to get in because they really enjoy the group work and they enjoy the fact they can take it home and do it themselves some people attend workshops like crazy but never do it on their own because they always need the group around them and i think that's something that Again, I had to really shift on this because the way I was taught at chiropractic college was closed room. Privacy has to be the perfect environment. And yet I think the better healing happens when there's a group room because there's interaction. And as you call it, messy. Someone, I had one of my achievements, I used to, I used to work with four benches was I had four men all cry at the same time. <laughs> and I, I saw one of them go and just do this little snuffle and it rippled around the room. And they all came up with red eyes going, the
0: <laughs> especially <laughs> the british men that's not yes, something that's, that's normal that's yeah, great it,
1: but it was a wonderful moment because all of them were open enough to be there to do it to do something that was not logical not rational wasn't forceful and to acknowledge the fact and i had some great conversations with them afterwards about what had happened i was very kind of the day i just let them all make their way out and didn't even mention the fact they'd had a blubber but i think it's really um think the real power happens because so often I'll hear someone ask I'll be talking to one person and somebody else will say it felt like you were talking to me Mm -hmm. because we actually all have very very similar needs when it comes to healing we need to feel heard we need to feel what's going on in our body and we need someone to make it okay to be a mess and sometimes you're just a mess for five minutes it can be a big mess for five minutes but it really, really helps your body to shift and reorganize because we hold trauma like, Mm like a dense energy in the body. And again, that's an area where the research, my science, my old background, is starting to really catch us up and actually demonstrate and show that a lot of these body work approaches do help people process trauma. And as they heal, their bodies change. And I think that's, I would like to see a world where all diseases, the treatment includes body work of some description. Amen. Because we forget we have bodies. You know, we are energetic beings having a embodied experience. Yet so many people are not embodied. Mm-hmm. They're stuck in in their heads because that's at least in the UK and I think the States is pretty similar. Our education system puts all the emphasis on what you think and no emphasis on what you feel. And you get praised what you think and what you know but only if it's logical and reasonable and rational which in my masculine feminine thing makes it more than masculine but you don't get praise for the emotion the intuition the knowing that got me to go right i'm giving up my well-paid job my house and everything to go to chiropractic that's not praised the the knowing to switch from the more traditional approach and having a pain-based practice to going It was like a roadless travel moment. I could see two forks in the road and the easy path was where I'd been. I remember looking and going, no way, I'm going the other way because I have to do this thing that calls me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What I'm always curious about, I don't know where I got that ability from because I think some people are born with that ability when the shit hits the fan, another British expression, to really, really go deep. And I feel very blessed that I've managed to make some of these big shifts and i think it comes back to your question of a good five ten minutes ago i was very very driven by pain i used to have to get sick or ill or in so much pain before i would make a change Mm. and then i'd make a big change Mm. what shifted for me in the last 15 years or so of working this way my change is becoming more driven by what i want it used to be driven by what i didn't want and didn't Mm. like And that has been a lovely shift to start going, okay, shit will still happen. I will still have pain sometimes, emotional pain, physical pain, mental pain, even spiritual pain. It's going to come up at points. That's given because that's what living's about. But I can run my life from a point of where I am now and where I want to be, focusing on what I want to bring more of into my life. But doing it, and I'm careful about this because you get a lot of people in the... I'm just going to manifest everything and they're so not present with their body. And it's like, we call it spiritual bypass. And I'm not into that. I'm into the the really, truly embodied. How do I bring more joy into my life? How do I bring more flow, more ease, but the focus is on where you're going and it's all on increasing resourcefulness. And the more embodied and present I am, it sounds like a bit of a preach, but I just know that there is definitely a spiritual community that wants to be out of their bodies love laughter angels unicorns but not present with who they are and i'm all in favor of the angels and the unicorns but only if you can do it from an embodied place because then you can truly start being the light being and the amazing amazing human being because we're human beings that you are but you need that you need to anchor it you need to be able to hold it in your body yeah or you get sick because your body will get your attention somehow
0: (laughs) well you said something earlier (laughs) yeah you said something earlier and we'll wrap it up so one of the things you said is you said a lot of us put conditions Mm -hmm. on our healing and i think that also as universal, we tend to also put conditions on our creations, Mm -hmm. conditions on our relationships, conditions on money, conditions on business. And so it it really is like once you open the health to one area of your life, the health of every area of your life can be exposed Mm -hmm. and also invited to sort of be a catalyst for even more door doors opening it's so brilliant and i mean i could probably sit and talk to you for forever um and so i love i love everything you said and it's all so true so so rachel i know you've got some really cool stuff coming up and where can people find you if they want more information and look at your upcoming programs and check out your podcast which i will be aired on soon i'm really excited about so yeah tell them where they can find you
1: well i have a website which is very simple rachel Rachel with the extra A. Um, we'll put we'll put we'll put it in the in the chat. I was linked on there to my podcast. My podcast is Unmasking the Feminine, and I'm kind of amazed we haven't talked about it at all because I only started it six weeks ago, and it's absolutely flying. And I'm interviewing inspirational women, inspirational women who inspire women, and I am having so much fun. And I laugh because I said my cat might turn up while we're talking, and just very, about to go, he's woken up. So
0: come I on, love I'm
1: it. Can I say hello to people?
0: Hello. Cats are amazing. I mean, animals in general are amazing. And that, you know, I think the more that we can be embodied from that perspective, which is like in the body without judgment, being present, going with the flow, you know, discovering what's next, being curious, you know, getting in trouble, figuring it out and moving on. So he
1: wants a cuddle. He wants a cuddle. yeah. Yeah. Now he's, um, he's part of my love and inspiration. He's wonderful. But I was just going to say as well, I do have, <laughs> this is called Cat Love. He's called Einstein. He's very wise. Um, I have a Facebook group called Unmasking the Feminine for anybody who's interested. And one called Body Mind Awakening, which is sort of base camp for people who want to do the 12 stages work with me. Awesome. I doing a lot of that online nowadays. Awesome. That, that's a mixed group. So that's men and women.
0: Awesome. Well, go
1: check her out. My friends, Good. Rachel,
0: it is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and um, yeah, until next time.
1: Thank you, Catherine. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining me on today's episode. If you liked what you heard, if you were inspired, comment, send us an email, let us know what changed for you and Feel free to share with your friends. Also make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes and inspiration so you can create what hasn't yet been created before. It takes guts to do what you're doing. So if you're ready to be the rebel, follow me on Instagram at Katherine underscore Macintosh and follow the No Judgment Diet on Facebook and Instagram for the latest and greatest tips to tap into your brilliance and unleash your awareness. Genius was not created by following the rules.